Okay, good morning, Shavua Tov. Today's daf is daf Pei Zayin. Today's shir is Ilunishmas Zayv Ben Yosef. His neshama have aliyah, may his memory be a blessing. We wish him over and Okay, so we're up to, we're going to go from the two dots and then towards the bottom of Pei Vavam Abay's 86B. And uh, a very interesting sugya. So the... It's Manisin Delokereb Yehuda, or the Mishnah is Havmavaya Shesasum, if someone embarrasses someone who is blind, or here it's actually a blind person who embarrasses someone, is Chayev. So the Gomorrah points out, Manisin Delokereb Yehuda, our Mishnah does not align with Reb Yehuda. The Tanya Reb Yehuda, Oymer Reb Yehuda says, Summa ain't no boy shes. The Summa does not pay embarrassment. It's interesting, you've got to be careful because it's, it's hard to distinguish when we're discussing a summa causing embarrassment or a summa being embarrassed. Here we're discussing a summa causing embarrassment. So he was not summa in laboishos. When we say a summa doesn't have embarrassment, we mean he's not liable for embarrassment. For kach you review the point. Mechave golios umechave malkus umechave misses beizdin. Similarly, Rabbi Yehuda would exempt a blind person from having to go into golos from receiving malkus or from being put to death by beizdin. Now remember, Golos is if a person kills by mistake, you have to, he has to flee and live in one of the Ore Miklat. So we've said three, four halachas that a summa's exempt from. If he embarrasses someone, if he kills someone by mistake, if, he kill, if he's deserving of Malkus, or if he's deserving of being put to death. Now my time at Rebbe Huda, what's the source for Rebbe Huda? So we're starting off with the first one. Um, that a sum is exempt if he causes embarrassment. So Goma, we're going to go. We're going to bring a source for each of these. Gomer einecha einecha ma'edim zomim. We learn exera shava of eyes eyes from edim zomimin. Why? Here it says lo by edim zomimin the pasuk says lo sachos einecha alav. Your eyes should literally your eyes should not so show pity on him. And here it says but katzosol by embarrassment. Remember, the source for embarrassment is the case of two men fighting and the woman intervenes and grabs his private. But it says, Your eyes shall not so pity. So we see, Enecho, Enecho, we make Xero Shava. And we say, Just as there, you can't have Adim Zomim who are blind. So to here, I so they will never be punished as Adim Zomimin. So to here, uh, Adim Zomim would not be liable. Interesting, why can't you have Adim Zomimin who are blind? Because you have to be able to see to be Adim. So Rabbi Akiva Ege in the margin here, he asks, he says, he says, why can't you say the cases where he saw what happened, he subsequently went blind? Why can't he testify? And then he brings, um, um, if I understood it correctly, he brings from the Rosh that it says, or, 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 the Pasuk says, or he saw, which excludes someone who is blind. So it seems it's actually an intrinsic psul of a blind person giving over testimony, even testimony that he saw, now he can't. Um, okay, so that is a summa uh, is not uh, for, for embarrassment. Is exempt if he causes embarrassment. How do we know? The Tanya Beloreos. If he if he did not see prat the summa that excludes someone who a blind person. Tifer Rebbe I normally he would be able to see what's going on, 
but by here in the forest where he did not see, um, he's liable. But that excludes someone who's blind. Rabbi Meir says, no, the pasuk below, the part of the pasuk below, oh, if he did not see, is coming to include a blind person. So now we can ask, so why? They both use the Belore Os, Rabbi Huda, to exclude a blind person from being a Chayv Goddess and Rabbi Meir to include. So, so my time at Rabbi Huda says, Omalachah, he'll tell you. The, the prototype case that the Pasuk mentions when it's discussing Golos, someone who killed by mistake, is someone who goes into the forest to chop wood and someone else enters the forest and then it's a bit of a discussion, is it his axe head or a piece of wood shoots off and kill someone. So it's by mistake, but that's the Pesach. So it says, I show your vo Israel b'yar, lacht of etzim. He goes with his friend into the forest to cut etzim. Now it says, by filusuma. That implies even someone who's blind. It says, ah, oh, kos of rachmona os. And therefore when the Pesach says, os, and he doesn't see, the mutay, that must be to exclude a blind person. Very remember, kos of rachmona os. Remember, it says, you write it does say os. Limute, which you would learn as excluding, like Rabbi Yehuda just said, you'd learn it to exclude a blind person from being high of colors. It says, because of Rahmana, but then the Apostle writes again, Bivli dies without awareness. He's, he can't see. So he says, Limute, which is also to exclude a blind person. So he says, Have a miutach and one of the droshes we have of how to interpret the Torah is when you have an exclusion after an exclusion. The ain miutach and el el rabos, it actually comes to include. So, by the fact that it says Belorios and Belor Das, Bivli Das, double exclusion, that actually telling us to include a blind person in the punishment. It says, No, Rabiuda says that Bivli Das is not a second exclusion of a blind person, it's actually coming to tell us to exclude someone who has intent. Um, you know, just to clarify, I think I mentioned about it, I don't know if it's clear, how does the word Beloraos, if he doesn't see, include, uh, exclude a blind person? Because it sounds like in general, he does see, it's Beloraos, in this case he didn't see. So therefore, or, you know, I mean that's, wait, that would be including, uh, uh, yeah. Um, that would be why Beloreos would include, oh, but we already included, so then Beloreos must come to exclude. Okay, then, so that is the source for Golos. Now, Chayve Mises Basin, how do you know that a summa can't be put to death by Basin? If he transgresses, and I vary that would be Chayve Mises Basin. So, Chayve Mises Basin, I see it's there for itself, Mechayve Golios. We learn out Ratzach from those liable to Golos, either as an Alexander Shofar. And Chayve Malkus, and how do we know that someone Chayve Malkus, a blind person who does something deserving of Malkus, one is exempt from Malkus? I say Rosha Rosha, when Chayve misses based in, we learn out Rosha Rosha from Chayve misses based in. Um, yeah, so those are the four halachas that Rebuda brought, and these are the sources that a blind person would be exempt from them. We now go and we bring another price of Rebbe Yehuda, which actually extends this. Um, Tanya Idich, another price of Rebbe Yehuda, Tanya Idich Rebbe Yehuda, in another price of Rebbe Yehuda said, Summa ein lo boishes. A summa is not liable for boishes. V'cheno yo Rebbe Yehuda poitrum, he called dinim shebet Torah. And he would exempt him from all dinim in the Torah. I think, 
think dinim in this context refers to uh, monetary law. We'll see, you'll see why I'm saying that as we expand on it. Okay, from monetary law. My timer de Rebbe Yehuda. And dinim also often has that connotation. We speak about dinim as, you know, the laws of halacha, but it does generally have the connotation. I was wondering, I mean, and then do we mean all civil law or anything being judged by based in? Okay, but it does seem to be civil law. It says, my time at Rebbe Yehuda, on my cross, the Pesach says, for shoftu ha'edo bain ha'make u'bain gol ha'dam, you judge between the attacker and the blood avenger for all these laws. So, anyone who would fall into the category of being liable for murder, for attacking murder, and goal adam, would, uh, we would apply these laws to. Anyone who is not in the category of being liable for Micah and Gualada would not be liable to Mishpatim. So therefore, um, he would be exempt from all monetary law. Interesting, a blind person steals, he's exempt from paying back. Blind person damages, he's exempt from damages. And obviously the ones we've already seen, the four sources for other aspects. Tanya Another Bryce is Rabbi Yehuda says, Summa does not have embarrassment. And similarly, Rabbi Yehuda would exempt him from all mitzvahs which are, say, which in, are commanded in the Torah. Omar of Shisha Bereid Rabidi, my time at Rabbi Yehuda. So this mitzvahs would include every, every single halacha. It says, my time at Rabbi Yehuda. What's the source for Rabbi Yehuda? It says, Omar Kro, these are the mitzvahs, the laws, and the mishpatim. Kol mishpatim, anyone who falls into the category of Civil law, yes, no, mitzvahs of chukim. Other mitzvahs apply to them. And anyone who does not, through civil law, does not apply to them, does not fall into, does not um, have to worry about mitzvahs, is not chayav in mitzvahs and chukim from other mitzvahs. Pardon? Yeah, quite uh, drastic. Drastic Yeah. yeah. Oh, it says so just an uh, interesting toss I mean, I'm more wanting to focus on a bit later, but I'll go quickly from the beginning. It says, this is, Rabbi Yehuda says he's exempt from all mitzvahs. We learned in Perek, in Megillah, anyone who has not seen light in his dice, can't say, it seems can't lead the community for Kriya Shema. Yifros Alashma is complicated, but can't lead the community for Kriya Shema. Which, I mean, just think about it, the bracha before Kriya Shema is Baruch Yotzer HaMa'oros, who created light. So we, so we answer them there. When it's Tama Nami, Omar Hacha, Afilu Rov, when it's Tama Nami, Omar Hacha, the potur mikola mitzvahs. But here we're saying he's exempt from all mitzvahs. So why would you ever think, if he's exempt from all mitzvahs, why would you need a special trusher to say he can't do mitzvahs to fulfill other people? 
I mean, that falls into the category, same category as anything else. You can't, you can't do something on behalf of someone else that they're not liable. So then he says, For Yerushalmi de Mukila, the Yerushalmi has a very interesting explanation. He says, we're not discussing a blind person. We're discussing someone who's only ever lived in a dark house or a cave. I mean, very, I mean what's bewildered, the Yerushalmi, to make this make sense, has to go so far-fetched. Yeah. I mean, he can't say a bracha on Yotz, uh, he can't lead the community in Yotz uh, and because he's never ever seen them. Not that he can't see them, but that he never has. But Al Gomorrah, the Bavli, implies that we're dealing with a blind person. He said there he can't yoy to other people because he's not. Um, he doesn't get benefit from the Ma'oros. How can you bless or lead other people in a bracha praising Hashem for something that you don't appreciate? that he does get like says, He once saw a blind person carrying a torch. So he's walking along the this load shedding, so he's walking around with his lamp. He says, He says, Why do you need that? It doesn't help you see you're blind. You can carry the best uh, lantern around and it's not going to help you. So, Omar Lay, no, it calls one Shafuka Zubayadi Benay Adam Roy, Siu Matsilin Oisi Minab Sochim. He says, No, as long as I'm carrying the lamp, other people see me and they save me from uh, tripping in holes. And that answer is only really relevant if you're dealing with a properly blind person. So, we see that Al Tamar the Babdi is clearly speaking about a really blind person. Not, not like the Gomorrah Yishalmi wanted to learn, that it's speaking about someone who's never seen light because they've lived in a cave their whole life. We're actually talking about uh, um, someone who's in, who can't see our Gomorrah. So it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a few, like, can a blind person say, Pokach Ivrim in the morning, you know, um, who opens our eyes? So that would be, you could some bring that answer of Rabbi Yossi, no, because by the fact that people can see, it also helps him. Yeah. But that would be a similar thing here. But either way, we're dealing with a blind person. So why would we need, um, he's exempt from all mitzvahs, so why would you think that he can lead other people in davening? That, that's the question Tosas is really bothered with. Well, how can he lead? Rabbi Yossi already said that he's exempt from all mitzvahs. So why do we need this special... Once he says, This is the important point I wanted to bring out. Even though Rabbi Yehuda says the Summa is exempt from all mitzvahs, we call Makam is Chayav in mitzvahs. Now, and now we have to see this. I thought the Isha Mifter Rabbi Mitzvahs Asay says, My grandma will not Chayav him. I feel him in Drabbonon. He says, But wait, women are exempt from mitzvahs Asay Drabbonon, and we don't obligate them in mitzvahs. Uh, sorry, they rice so women are exempt from all positive time-bound mitzvahs, and we don't come and obligate them. Why, we should, you're telling me that a blind person is exempt from lulav, but we tell him, no, we'll say the same thing by a woman. And we don't say that by women, so why would you say there's a difference between a blind person and a woman? Can you think of any differences? 
So Tosas answers, he says, no, because women do have lots of mitzvahs that they label in. It says, If you're going to exempt him from all mitzvahs, you'll be living like a non-Jew that has, doesn't have any mitzvah at all. So interesting, so we still want him to have a way to connect Hashem, to be involved in, I don't know, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, for being involved in Judaism. And if, he's not, if you're not going to tell him that he has to do any mitzvahs, he's going to be living like an Anju. Um, and therefore, um, uh, what did I want to say? Yeah, so, so, so therefore Chazal said, no, he would be, women have lots of mitzvahs and they have lots of requirements and therefore they live as Jews, even though they're in Sheikh Lulav, Blow Shofar, all these other mitzvahs. But uh, men, if a blind person, he would have absolutely no connection to, and he would be living like a non-Jew, so they obligated him into Rabbonin. And that's why you would have thought, oh, so let him say, Yotzer, oh, he's obligated to mitzvahs to Rabbonin, let him lead the community in Poires Alashma. So comes along the Gomorrah Babli and says, no, a blind person can't be Poros Alashma because the Rabbonin is liable, but we're saying it's still not good enough. Um, and, then, and the reason would be because he doesn't really get benefit from the sun, etc. Okay, and then he goes into a few more details on that. Um, he then just, I mean, just something, I'm not going to go into that part of Tosas, but just something to think about. So, a child is obligated in Chinuch, the father's obligated to train him in Chinuch. Is that, how similar is that to a blind person? I mean, what Tosas is going on is, we don't say a child can lead davening because he's obligated to Rabbanon. So, why would you ever think that a summa can lead davening? even though he's obligated to drop on what's the difference between Chinuch and this requirement. Okay, but there's obviously Tosos and all these things, there's a lot to go into, but let's carry on in the Gemara. Um, Interesting. So, so Al Tosos holds that Asuma is obligated in Mitzvah's Midrabbonim. There are other opinions that says, no, it's not obligated at all. It's just a good thing to do. You don't have to, but it's a good thing to do. Um, now there's another aspect to this question is, but what about negative commandments? So a blind person, at least on a Doraisa level, is not obligated to shake lulav, blow shofar, eat matzah. Is he allowed to transgress? Is he allowed to eat non-kosher? Is he allowed to eat chometz on Pesach? So, so that's the one way of looking at it, and that would make, and that will yes, but that would make sense. Why Tosta say he would live as an Anju? Yeah. But what if you don't? I mean, that's a long trip, but I'll just read the introduction of the, the first part of the Nafiyuda to this in his discussion. So he says uh, the other night I was going into, or last night I was going into your question that you asked. Uh, Let's, let's actually see the next point. Let's actually see the next point. If you saw looking in the Nod of Yehuda. But he says, so Omar, in the, back into the Gomorrah, it's about 
12 lines in the so Omar of Yosef me rage have amina man to Omar halacha kreb Yehuda to Omar super potu mina mitzvah said at first I used to say that whoever tells me the halacha is like Reb Yehuda that a blind person is exempt from mitzvahs kavdina yuma tuvel rabbonim I would make a yomtov for the rabbonim my timer the loy mifke day the loy kavdin mitzvah because I am not commanded and I'm still doing mitzvahs. I am serving Hashem totally voluntarily. I'm not doing it for any ulterior motives. But now that what but now that I've heard Rabbi Khanina's teaching, Great is the one who is greater is one who does an action because he's commanded than one who does an action who is not commanded. I so a blind person, even if he does mitzvahs, is not as great as a person who can see who does mitzvahs. The one who says that the halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, I'll make a yom tov for the for the sages. My time, because when I, since I'm commanded, I get a lot more reward. So, um, lots of fascinating things. Firstly, this is the source for a bar mitzvah. You see, ah, chayav in yom tov here doesn't mean make a yom tov, it means make a festive celebration. And remember, we've had this sugi in Kiddushin, so it might sound quite familiar. It wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. Um, so, so, that's, so, so this is the source for a bar mitzvah. You chayav in mitzvahs, you make a, celebra- a celebration. Um, another interesting question. Well, I don't know what that's got to do with anything. <laughs> okay. So you want to say he's starting aspects of Mitzvah's Chinuch, so you make a feast. Okay, interesting. So that's the one point, just a a side point. Um, Interestingly, also, why should someone who's commanded in something get more reward than someone who's not commanded? So we discussed this a little bit over there, and I think the Ritva gave two reasons. Tosos also gave some reasons, but the one, I don't remember exactly who said what, but the one explanation was that as soon as you're commanded to do something, it's a greater struggle to do that. The eight Sahara is up in arms and trying to stop you. And you know sometimes that is when you're happy to do something, and then someone says, no, you have to do it. All of a sudden you're like, why do I have to do it? Who are you to tell me what to do? So the eight Sahara works the same way. If you're not commanded to do a mitzvah, it's much easier to do it. Um, that's the one answer. A uh, slightly deeper answer, and this is to work with understanding the nature of mitzvahs, is... What makes, I don't know, shaking lulav a mitzvah? What makes it a special act? Is that Hashem told you to do it? And if not for Hashem telling you to do it, it wouldn't be anything special. So if you're not commanded in a mitzvah, you're not actually doing a mitzvah. Even if you do the action, if you're not commanded in it, it's not a mitzvah. Because the mitzvahs are in response to Hashem. Almost you can say, look, I don't know why Hashem said, I must listen to Shofar and my wife mustn't, doesn't have to listen to Shofar. I shake Lulav and my wife doesn't have to shake Lulav. But it's a, Hashem told me and that's why it's a mitzvah for me. But he didn't tell her to, so it's not a mitzvah for her. So why? Uh, um, so therefore, if you're doing a mitzvah because you commanded it, it's a much higher level of a mitzvah. There does seem to be some intrinsic value in an action of a mitzvah because we say women still do positive mitzvahs where they want to and they do get a level of reward, but it's much more, it's a greater aspect of service of Hashem when you are specifically commanded. 
Um, okay, cheers, have a good day. Yeah. Um, just the interesting question that they ask on Rav Yosef. They says, Rav Yosef says, I'm so glad that I hear that if you can pass, tell me that the halacha is that blind people are commanded, I'll be happy because I'll, I'll get more reward. What Rav Yosef is wants for reward? It's a second or third, third mission in Amos. Um, you must, Antignos is says that you must serve Hash, you mustn't serve Hashem on condition for the reward. So, and the great Rav Yosef is so bothered about reward, is I'll make a Yalta piece because I get more reward. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So, <laughs> I was wondering about that. The uh, Gemara, um, yeah, I wanted to do a point from the non Yehuda going back on this discussion um, earlier of uh, exactly what mitzvahs would a blind person be obligated to, but I think actually that's gone just time-wise. So carrying on, um, These are the new missioners. These are stringencies of Adam over Shosh. Adam is liable if he falls in the five payments if he injures someone. And if he causes a woman to miscarry, he'll also be liable in the blados. A shor that causes injury will only be liable in the nezek, not the medical expenses, not the... Um, loss of work, etc., and he would be exempt from domain plados. Amake is obvious, so that's the stringencies of Chaim of Armishor. New point. Amake is obvious, Imovelo also by him Chabura. If someone injures their mother, uh, hits their mother or father, but does not make a wound, the Chaim of Chaver Yom Kippurim, or someone who injures their friend on Yom Kippur, Chaim of Kulam is liable to for all five payments. Someone just Yom Kippur is easier if you, Yom Kippur, the Isu Malacha is only Kores. So therefore, he can get kores and still be liable to the monetary payments. Similarly, someone who hits their parent, if they cause an injury, they're going to be chav misa. But if they don't cause an actual injury, they're not going to be chav misa, so they'll be liable to the, to the five payments. If someone injures an eved ivri, sorry, if he injures an eved ivri, he's liable in all of them. Except for loss of work, if he's his Eved Ivri. Again, the Eved Ivri has to work for him. So if he, who, if someone else injures the Eved Ivri, who are they going to pay the Shevets for? Who, the loss of income, the loss of work, to the master. So if the master injures the Eved Ivri, he's caused himself the loss of someone to work for him. If someone injures someone else's Eved Kanani, he's liable in all five payments. Reb says, no, there's no Boishas for Avodim. An altercation with a cheresh, a deaf mute, a shoite, an insane person, and a katan is bad, bad news. Why? If someone injures them, they're liable. But if they injure someone else, they're exempt. Why? They're not chayev. You can't. They're not held accountable for their actions. So if they injure, so that's why it's bad news. You get into a fight with a child. You're in trouble because um, you have to pay for any damage, injury, etc. you cause, but he won't have to pay for you. 
a woman and a slave, it's also bad bad news to get into the altercation with them. If you injure them, you're liable. However, if they injure someone else, they're exempt. Why? Interesting. The reason they're exempt is because they don't have money. Remember, a wife's money belongs to her husband, and an Eved, anything he gets goes to his master. So they don't have anything to pay for the damage they caused, even though they are liable for the action. However, they could be liable after his money. Why? If the woman gets divorced, if the slave is freed, they're liable to pay. So interesting, because they are accountable for their actions. But you, they don't have money to pay. So kind of they just get become indebted. So for all the intents and purposes, they have this debt hanging over them, that when they do get money, as she gets divorced, and now she has money, or he gets freed, they will have to pay. This is unlike a child, or a cherashot of a katan, because they're not accountable for their actions. So they'll never ever be chayav. I'll just come to that back to that point. Let's just finish the mish, or let, let's say now. So very interesting, at the end of, uh, towards the end of Hilcha Shabbos, in the Shulchan Aruch, at Shinmim Gimel, he discusses the halachas of a child doing things. It's a big sugya, but I'll just read it quickly in the Shulchan Aruch. It says, If you see a young child eating non-kosher, basically are not obligated to stop him. You see a child, and um, nevelas is non-kosher, but obviously any, they do, they are doing something on Shabbos, they're drawing on Shabbos. His father is obligated to stop him. And this would be because of a mitzvah of chinuch. So you're obligated to train your young children, but no one else is, on the, according to this opinion. To feed the child isur, that's forbidden, even midirei soifrim. Um, whether it's isur dorai, so you can't go, it's so granted the child's not, a, if you see him, you, you, you see him doing something that's forbidden, you don't have to stop him. Okay, unless it's your child and he's five and fiddle. However, if you, you're not allowed to do it to him, so you can't go and give the child the, the things on Shabbos to play, the, the toys that he's not allowed to play with on Shabbos, you can't uh, feed him on kosher food, and it seems this is even for a very young child. This is, You also shouldn't let them get into the habit of chilul Shabbos, or you cause them to that, even with things that are only yeah, but that would be so. So the Mishnah brings example, you don't like asking to carry something for you where you can't carry or something like that, even though it's like not a big, in the grand scheme of things, it's Isu Drabonin and the child is really allowed to do it. You don't say, can you carry my keys to Shul or something like that. Some say this is with a child who has not yet reached the age of Chinuch. But if he is the age of Chinuch, then anyone has to stop him. And some say Chinuch only applies, um, this is what the Machaber held, no, it only applies to the father and not to the other people, the Basin, etc. Now, the cotton chihika is over, over, shara, various, but katnusa. 
What happens if you have a young child who doesn't obey when he's a child? I'm sorry, even though he doesn't have to do chivu when he's an adult, he's not accountable for what he did as a child. This is relevant to Al Gamora. It's a good practice for him to accept something as chuba and kapora. Even though he did it before he's such, uh, subject to punishment. And then the Mishnabura says, what about a katan shaganovasha? He's like a child who steals or damages. It's appropriate for Bezdin to to give him a, to hit him so that he doesn't get into a habit of doing that. But Cain Chavale or Biosh, etc. So too, um, if he injures or embarrasses his friend, etc. Aval ain sorry l'shalem im ain hagnev of ain. He doesn't have to pay back the theft if it's not in existence anymore, and obviously he wouldn't have to pay for the damage he caused or the injury. It says v'chol zemi dina. This is all minadin from the strict letter of the law. Aval lefmim mishuras hadin bein shechavol bo bekufo. If he, if he himself caused the damage or the injury or his property caused it, sorry, he should still pay. So interesting. So there's no obligation and basing can't enforce this. I mean, Adini doesn't have to. But to go beyond the letter of the law, if you cause someone damage as a child, when you grow up, you should pay for it. Okay, let's go on to the last case in the Mishnah. If someone hit their father or mother and they did cause an injury, or or someone who injured their friend on Shabbos, Potur mikulam, you exempt from all the file for all the monetary payments. Mishum shehu nidam because you're going to be judged as a capital offence. Okay, so therefore you would be liable. If you injure your own eved kanani, you're exempt from all of them. Okay, let's go into the Gemara. Boy, me nei Rebbe Lazar, me Rav Rebbe Elazar asks Rav, Hachoyvel bevaskatana shalachayre chavole lemi. If you injure someone else's man or daughter. Who does the damages go to? On the surface, we're discussing Nezek Vesheves, her depreciation and the loss of work. Because remember, a father is entitled to collect her dowry, uh, the money paid, sorry, the Kesef Kiddushin, and any work a minor daughter does belongs to the father. So he, where you've affected her, should the money go to her or the father? Obviously, the medical expenses and the embarrassment and all those go to the daughter. But it's specifically the Nezek and the Shevis, at least on the surface that's what we're discussing. So, do we say since the Torah gave Shevach Urim, all the rights, all the money that she gets goes to the father? We should say the same thing by Chavola. We'll see what comes up in the context of Shevach Urim is obviously the Kesef Kiddushin, um, the father can sell her as a maidservant. He can sell her as a slave, remember, while she's a cutter. So he gets the money for that. Um, what is it? You know, all her income. And if she finds any lost objects, they're and they go to the father. So all of those, that's, on the surface, that's the Shevach Urim. So anything that she gets goes to the father. So maybe if she's injured, the Nezek should also go to the father. My time at the Her value is lowered. And therefore, he in a way loses out. He used to be able to sell her as a female slave for, I don't know, a thousand rand, and now that she's got an injured arm, he can only sell her for 500 rand. So he's lost out. Maybe it's specifically the Shevach Urim, either things that we mentioned, or the Kesir Kiddushin, etc. 
because he can choose who he wants to give it to. But for injury, if he wanted to injure her, he's not allowed to injure her. The Torah says she acquires it. I, it's not... Uh, it's not the uh, what is that? Yeah. Um, by Kiddushin it makes sense that the father gets the Kesef Kiddushin because it's completely in his jurisdiction who she marries and how much he accepts his Kesef Kiddushin okay so it comes to him and that's where the Torah that it's who she marries is totally up to the father's discretion when she's a Katana and even a Nara and therefore it makes sense that he gets the money but here he, to injure her that's not up to his discretion or jurisdiction. He's not allowed to injure her. That's a negative commandment to injure any uh, Jew. Um, so therefore, what would be the halacha? Do we say it goes to the father or do we say it goes to her? This nezek and sheves. So the Gemara answers, this is top of Amur Beis. The Torah only gave the father shevach nurim. So Aesibay challenged him. He says, It says if someone in Almishna said if someone injures an Ever Ivri, he's liable in all five payments, except for Shevis, when it's his own Ever Ivri. Now Shevis goes to the master of the Ever Ivri because the master's losing out. Well, we should say the same thing by the daughter. When the daughter works. This young girl, her father gets her income. So surely it should be the same thing. Yeah, you're right. So for Sheves, the one of the five, by a Rav agrees it goes to the father because the income goes to the father. They challenged Rav again. If someone injures their adult child, son, they have to pay for the damage immediately. If it's their minor son, they make a, set up a trust fund for him. So that he gets, and he'll get the money when he's an adult. If someone injures their minor daughter, they exempt. If someone else injures her, they're obligated to give it to the father. Now this sounds like damage as well, because we're contrasting with the son. He pays the son. So here we're saying when he gets it, it must be like the Nezek and stuff that he would pay for the son. And we see that it goes to the father, not the daughter. says, No, we're speaking about Sheves over there. Okay, now the Gomorrah is going to discuss this principle with an adult, with a, with a father paying for their children. So, we said that if, it's his, if he injures an adult son, he pays him immediately. And then remember we said if it's a minor son, he sets up a trust fund. If it's his minor daughter, he gets the Sheves. That's how he learns. It says, there seems to be a contradiction. It says, if someone injures someone else's children, sons and daughters, sons or daughters, you pay them immediately. If you injure their children, their minor children, you set up a transplant. However, if he injures his own children, he's exempt. Now, what's the contradiction? Is previously we said that the father gets the 
It's if someone injures their own children, they set up a trust fund. And now we're saying if someone injures their own children, they're exempt. So that's the contradiction between the two prices. So Omri like Kacha, it's not difficult. No, the difference is, are they still reliant on their parents' support, their father's support? Where they're reliant on their father's support, well then, he would be exempt if he causes them injury. And where they are not reliant, where they're self-sufficient, then the father would have to pay them or set up a trust fund. So you establishing the first price here where they're not reliant on their father, that's why he's liable to set up a trust fund for them. It says, But wait, in that first price, so we're discussing a case where the daughter is, or where the child is not reliant on his father. He has to support himself. We said in the end of that, if he injures his daughter or someone else injures her, he gets the money. That's not fair. You should have to pay her because she's the one who has to support herself. So do you see, the, again, the first price that we're discussing a case, we said we're discussing a case where the child is independent, self-sufficient. The problem with saying that is, in that first price, so we said if, if, if someone injures, if he injures his daughter, he's exempt. And if someone else injures his daughter, he gets the money. But she needs the money. It's one thing where he's supporting his children and they get injured, then it makes sense that he, uh, that he gets it, because he's putting in the money to keep her fed. So the money that goes, he should get. But yes, yeah, so he says, the odd, and furthermore, Sorry, no, not the word. Um, yeah. Now we're just going to go on a side point and say we do have a concept by a slave that a master is allowed to sell his Evid Kanani. You know what? I'm not feeding you. Remember we discussed this in the Kiddush and it was quite jarring. You can tell your slave, you work for me the whole day, or you need money and stuff to, so, to feed, make it, get a nice job. That's your problem, not mine. He said you can only do that by an Eved Kanani, not even by an Eved Ivri. And if you can't do that by an Eved Ivri, you definitely can't do that with your daughter. So you can't say, oh, you're my minor daughter. You, anything you earn comes to me during the day and you make a plan for your own sustenance. With your minor daughter, you would have to let anything she, if you're not supporting her, anything she earns would go to her for her own support. Let's just see that inside. I you work, a person can say to his Evid Kanani, you work for me and make a plan and I'm still not going to support you. That's all by Evid Kanani where you can say to him, you know, during the day you work for me and at night go uh, earn a living, go earn for your food. But an Evid Ivri which says it should be as good for him to be with you. I remember you have to treat your Evid Ivri the same way you treat yourself. You have to give him food and drink to the same quality that you're eating. How much more so your daughter? You have to make sure that she's eat, she's comfortable. So again, it can't be that this is a case where the father accepts the money for his daughter, even though she has to provide for herself. If she has to be self-sufficient, he's not giving her food. He has to let her keep the money she earns so she can feed herself. And that would include the damages 
So Sahakanami Lloyd Shnichra Elala Adolf. He says, No, the case here, oh, sorry, he says, Could Omar Rova Braider de Ula, Lonichra Elala Adolf, like Rova Braider of Ula says in a different case that it's to do with the Hadofa, Hakanami Lloyd Nichra Elala Adolf. So to here we're discussing the Hadofa. What's Hadofa is the money over and above what she needs. So let's say she needs, I don't know, 20k a month to survive, and she's getting the zikin or income of 30,000. So that extra 10,000. The father's actually entitled to. Remember, the father gave, the man, uh, the Torah gives the father the rights to that. Okay, fine. So that's, we kind of, we understand the first Raisa. We're discussing the Hadoth. It says, So you said, what's the case of the second Raisa is where they're reliant on their fathers for support. Are they still living at home? So he says, But then it doesn't make sense. Why, if you damage and if you injure an adult child or a minor child, you either pay the adult children immediately or you set up a trust fund for the younger children. If they reliant on their father for sustenance, you should give the nazikin to the father. So Omri, no, he copied the midi the kolchos of the midi the asam almaloi copied. He says, no, when is a father particular that what his son, he's providing for his son, so what his son earns goes to him, that's where um, he would be losing out. But where it's externally coming to the child, he's not so particular, he's not going to worry about it. Um, it says, but we said that a lost object, if the child finds a lost object, he must give it to his father. But you just told me if it's external income, bonus income, the child's allowed to keep it even where he's reliant on the father. No, a profit, a gain that the child makes at no personal expense or investment, and no physical suffering, the father is particular and expects the child to give it to him. He says, I'm supporting you. You just got a windfall. You should give it to me for all my, for all my trouble I go to disappoint you. But when it comes to an injury where the child's undergone suffering and it's external, low copy, the father's not particular. But wait, we learned that if you have a young daughter, where she receives, she's suffering pain, and the money's coming from an external point, the call copied, and he said the father is particular. Because we said where someone else injures her, they give it to the father. That was the first price. The first price, again, you have this girl, we said, and again, we're speaking about the high daughter, but again, she was injured, she suffered. So, ah, she only needs 20,000 rand for the month. That's all she gets. And the Hadofa goes to her father. But you just said that a father's not particular on extra that his child gets. So, come on, this very question. You know, it says, Omri, Hassam, the Gavra Kaptinahu. We're dealing with a very particular person, a difficult person, a difficult father. Because we're dealing with someone um, who's not letting 
sorry, um, I read too much. He's not letting his children rely on him. We know we're dealing with a difficult father because he's not supporting his children. Remember, the first price is a case where the children have to work and support themselves. So that sort of father, we know is that he's, he's not such a generous father. Yeah, he will be particular about anything they get that he could get, he will want it. Again, unlike a normal father who looks after his children and supports them, when they've gone through suffering and they're getting a nice amount, he'll let them keep it. Um, he says, Oh, I feel a bit the Isla who, I feel a bit the Isla who I'm not copied. Again, there, so sorry, so the two braises, we, we see in the second braise, we're dealing with a father who's not so particular with what his children have, he's happy to support them. Jewish man has a father, supports his children till they're about 30 um, or longer. And. Uh, He's very generous, so obviously he's going to let his child uh, keep it. I mean, that's it's an amazing thing, an amazing gen- generous thing, but um, there's so many children who they're still staying at home, they're still being supported by their parents, and their salaries or the income they start earning, they get to keep. So, I mean, it's amazingly generous of the parents. I know some, often the children start to feel... The parents never insist on it, but they're like, look, I want to start being independent, but we see that. So you, you, that, those, that's, the gen- that's the second writer. The Glen Hazel parents. I, I mean, I don't know other communities, that's why I'm saying the Glen Hazel parents, but it could very well be a Jewish thing. Um, but you do get the, the sort of father who, the second he can, is like, no, you, you worry about your own food. I know you're in primary school, you're bat mitzvah now, okay, so you're starting high school. You're starting high school, not only do you have to take care of your own homework, you have to take care of your own food. And that sort of father, you know, you're going to be in trouble with, with what he lets his children keep. Okay, then we just ask, let's just finish off the sugya quickly. It says, my sugula. We said that if the child's a minor, you set up a trust fund. So Rabbi Chiz, the Oma Sefer Torah, says you, get, you buy them a Sefer Torah. Thinking that's a lot of damage they've undergone, a Sefer Torah. <laughs> um, but other says, and Rabbi Varhuna Omer Dikli, no, you buy them a palm tree. To ochel mine tamri, because he can constantly eat the thing. That, that makes more sense on the surface when we say the word, in my mind, when we say the word transplant, I guess the Sefer Torah also he can continuously use and he'll get benefit from it for his whole life. Similarly with this Tamri. Um, I was thinking how, uh, so this investment, you're investing the money on behalf of the child and you're buying a, a palm tree. How, how safe does it have to be? Do you put it in a bank saving account or can you invest it in the stock market? Do you have to take the S&P, do you have to buy S&P, what's the S&P 500 shares, ETF, or, the, or can you even say, now let's go with the Tesla or something. How risky can you do? And then it's, now we're just going back to the starting point. Remember, does the father get the Nezikin, the Sheves and the Nezek, or does the daughter get the Sheves and the Nezek? So Reishloki said that the father only gets the Kesek Kiddushin, not anything else. He even gets psia. Psia is um, a wound that doesn't lessen a value. Says, what do you mean? An injury that doesn't affect a value? 
I, when he's trying to sell her as a slave, Rabbi Lazar, who, Rabbi Lazar, who asked this question from the outset, the father should get the nazik, and that's because he loses out. When she was worth a thousand on the slave market, and now she's only worth 800, the father loses out because, so maybe that's why the father should get it. But this pizia, the connotation of the word pizia is that she hasn't decreased in value. So why should, or the father, he'll still be able to, you know, it seems that some wound, uh, I don't know, she gets a cut on her back or a, you know, something like that. That's not going to affect her slave market value. The father's not going to lose out at all. She's gone pain and all that, and there is an injury, so she should get it, but the father shouldn't. So, the father's not losing out at all. Rebbe Lezer would never ask that question. Obviously, she should get it. So, no, it's a case where she got this pizia on her face, so her value has gone down. Granted, she can work as well. People aren't so comfortable with a woman with an injury around. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.